It's going to be a good night. We've got an exciting topic lined up. Um, we're going to be looking at the gift of administration, the spiritual gift of administration. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Do we have any budding administrators in the room? <laughs> if you're not, you will be after tonight. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, you're soon to find out. That's a good question. Um, so I'll just take a very brief moment to introduce our panel members to those who are either new or recently new or first time here. We've got Chris Logan on the left-hand side, Joe Hughes, and Chris Reddington. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. And my name's Sam. All right. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12. <coughs> All right, First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28. <coughs> so it says this, or we start at verse 27. Now you are now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do they not interpret do they but earnestly desire the greater gifts and i show you a still more excellent way so we see in here paul lists a number of different spiritual gifts and one of those is the gift of administration um, which i find is it's fascinating he doesn't say guys here are the spiritual gifts apostolic prophetic and here are the natural gifts administration hospitality he doesn't make a distinction between what is spiritual and what is natural, because actually they're all spiritual. Um, and this evening we're going to look at a really fascinating passage of Scripture um, in Exodus, which talks about Moses and Jethro. Um, we don't know, it doesn't explicitly say that Jethro has the technical gift of administration for the body of Christ. Um, but, but there are certainly some incredible typologies and links that we can draw out of um, of this interaction between Moses and Jephro um, that highlight the role of administration and the value of bringing order and structure um, to church community um, and the lives um, of the people that are a part of it and ministering uh, and administering it. Is that cool? All right, so Exodus chapter 18. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 18. Okay, we're going to start from verse 13. So um, context here is that Moses has been visited by his father-in-law, Jethro. 
So the next day, Moses took a seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him in the morning, from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these, people will, and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at difficult times, but have, at all times, sorry, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, sorry, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. All right, interesting passage, hey? So Moses has um, got a lot on his plate He's a hard worker, he's um, negotiating and managing disputes of all of the people in Israel who have issues. That's a pretty big thing. <laughs> you know, managing your own household can, issues can be enough. But Moses was responsible for shouldering that for the entire nation of Israel. And Jethro comes after bringing back Moses' wife, who, while it doesn't explicitly say, it looks like... Moses and his wife have almost separated, potentially because of the intense workload that Moses has. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, brings Moses back to Moses. And this is where this interaction takes place. And he says, Moses, what are you doing? You're not just burning yourself out, but you're putting unnecessary pressure on all of the people that are part of um, this body, part of this people, Israel. So, so in my, the title of my Bible says that Jethro counsels Moses and he dialogues with him and he gives him an idea about not just shouldering solely this responsibility that God has given, but actually facilitating some order and structure so that this entire body of people weren't directly focused on Moses, but as a family, he would appoint people um, to be able to shoulder that burden, that responsibility with him, bringing order and structure um, to create a healthy environment um, for this people, Israel. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, so this is, I think, the, the key link with the gift of administration, and that administration is probably not the most out there, flashy, um, high profile gifts like an apostle or like a preacher or a teacher who are standing on a pulpit delivering a message or confronting, you know, like we see um, in, in Acts, Paul confronting, you know, the, 
um, the, the men of the time who are sharing different ideas about who they think God is. It's a more of a hidden gift, but yet plays a vitally important role that if it's not present there, the church or the body of Christ can't function in the way that it needs to. Um, so Jethro was able to minister to Moses to help him free up his time and his focus, his energy, his efforts, so that he wasn't caught up in what was insignificant, but so that he could focus his time on what was really important. Um, and so that, that brings us to our first question um, for, our, for our panel tonight. Um, having read through Exodus, um, the first question I have is, why is administration considered a spiritual gift and not just a natural talent? I don't know if you want to kick us off, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it's so easy to say, well, you know, um, let's, let's just go and organise this and organise that. And um, <clears throat> we can... <clears throat> Sorry, I am a bit cranky. <laughs> But it's really important that um, we understand that everything God does is through the Spirit. And so every gift, every part has to be done by the, the, the Spirit. Uh, you can do even just the accountants, for example. You can have an accountant who knows his job inside out, but you can have an accountant filled with the Holy Spirit and sees beyond the things on the page. Because they capture in the heart what God is doing. And so they see with faith about what they're doing. Otherwise, you can get homed in on the, well, this is how the box is, and this is how it's going to work and how it's going to do everything like that. And the same thing with administration. They've actually got a capture in their heart, the same with all the gifts. You know, what is God doing? What is God showing? What is God um, revealing? And has to be revealed to them so that they're able to enhance and to work with God and God shows them how to do it. Otherwise, it's just a job of this is how you do it. And there's some very, very talented administrators out there, but unless it's, it's actually um, ordained through God's strength and spirit, it becomes just a function. It's just a role. And it misses the grace and the, um, the power to actually do it. And that's what grace is, the empowerment, his empowerment to be able to do the task that is ahead. It's not to change things, it's actually to bring about what God is doing. I think that's, that's massive, eh? Because you could so easily think that prophecy, that's a gift that you need to be divinely empowered for, you know? To be able to have a word of knowledge about someone that you don't know and to be able to share, you know? But what about administration, you know? And I think... You know, to see administration in its true light is to see that the divine empowerment required for prophecy is the same divine empowerment that's required for effective administration if we're to be the body of Christ and achieve not just earthly outcomes but heavenly ones, eh, you know? And heavenly outcomes require heavenly means, you know? Um, the body of Christ is not built up through human capacity, um, it's built on the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? Which requires a form of administration that's more than just works and words and facts and figures and numbers, but requires God himself to be administering and ministering um, through someone's work, eh? I think it also um, requires the sight that he gives to see what it is that you are serving towards. Yeah. Because I think that there's a massive difference there where you can go, I, I have a, a natural gift of administration where I can organise things well, 
But if it's not done in the spirit, then you're only going to be working towards what you've defined as the end goal. Whereas when you see by faith and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, then you are aligning yourself into his purposes and not serving yourself. Yeah, and I think the other part of that is understanding the kind of order that he creates, so what divine order and structure is as opposed to man-made order and structure. And one of the key things there, I think, is he absolutely, in the same way the human body has structure and order, it also has a lot of movement and flexibility. So I think, again, administration outside of the teaching of the spirit can be quite a functional, it goes like this, we do these things and this leads to that. Whereas, to me, the gift of administration has that flexibility and responsiveness that he has. So same God, same purpose, but responsive to the needs of today. I think also, too, it's really important that every gift that is listed has to be redefined by him because it has to go from the natural into the spiritual because otherwise, it's the same music. uh, I mean, with uh, the gift that Sandra and I had, God really challenged us about laying it down. And we thought, but God, that's not what we're praying. You know, but it was so really... (laughs) But it was so true because the thing is that we can use our natural ability to try and do what he wants, you know, but it doesn't work like that. It has to be laid down and then he does that work in us and picks it up and then we pick it up in a totally different way. And so just like Moses throwing down the, the staff, he had to throw it down, it became a snake. It was different, but when he picked it up, it was a rod of authority. There was something different about it, but he had to let it go. And that was the last bit of his identity left. He'd been stripped of all the Egypt stuff, but now he was a shepherd. And that staff was his authority, but he had to lay it down. And then God told him to pick it up again. And it's the same thing with administration, with any gift. It has to be laid down so that God can redefine it. And there's such a tension, eh, that we're saying, look, this is not a natural gift, but it's not, outs- it's not exclusive of a natural gift as well. You know, like for someone who's, say, on the, on the music team, you know, it's not like saying that, oh, that it has to be purely spiritual, so there's no natural capability required. Actually, God generally works with our natural capabilities yeah, yeah. and infuses the spiritual gift that, and, they, and the two are to complement one another, eh, you know? Because how can you be a teacher, but yet you're so completely not articulate that you can't even get out what you want to say? You know, like God, God works with natural capability, but it's not the natural capability that achieves the divine outcomes that God's looking for, which is the building of the body of Christ. No matter how articulate someone's preaching is, that can't actually change someone's heart. And so we need something that's bigger than just our natural you know, natural abilities, um, um, which, uh, like you're saying, Chris, you know, it's, it's not one or the other. It's that, that there needs to be both, but they need to be in order, you know. Yeah. It's firstly, it comes from him, through him, and then it's expressed through someone's natural body, through their words, through their temperament, through their character, through their personality. Um, but just don't let those natural things hinder you from what it is that God's wanting to do in and through you, hey, you know. And so we've got to work through all of those tensions. I've shared before a big one for me has been working through the fact I'm a quiet guy, you know. I don't, and yet the, 
but God has been working on, on me and in me and through me about actually like by me just seeing my identity and being a quiet guy, I'm actually not functioning in the role that I need to, not just for myself, but for everyone else, you know? And so we've got to, we've got to run in our own lane and not try and be someone that we're not, but we're not to limit ourselves through our natural human flesh, but allow what is heavenly and divine to flow through us, eh? Um, I've got this, sorry, I was sitting on this from from before from you, Chris, you know, talking about like... What's the ultimate aim for all the gifts and where are we heading towards, you know? And Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given. He's talking about his gift. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know? And I love that he talks not just about preaching, the myst- preaching about a mystery, but the administration of yeah. a mystery. Yeah. And to me, this is the value of the gift of administration is that it, make, it actually makes things happen. Yeah. You know, we can talk about things all, <clears throat> all we want, but... But Paul here was articulating and saying, guys, it's all very well and good to have a message about the mystery of God, but God's heartbeat was for this, for this gospel to be administered, for it actually to come to light and a real practical demonstration of the church of God growing up um, to, into the fullness of Christ and expressing Christ's nature and, and love on the earth and to an unseen, invisible realm, eh? you know? So it requires not just proclamation but administration of this yeah. mystery to, to come to light so I've got a, um, a little passage that I'd like to share that you know just I'll be honest I was looking up what administration means today <laughs> because I'm like what does it mean like I know what yeah, I you've think you've got it the top notch uh, you know <laughs> top dogs on the panel tonight <laughs> I know what I think it means but I'm just gonna you know gonna make sure I'm on the right page and it was really cool because I just just felt like um, I saw something that I hadn't seen before and um you know, the word administration is only really used three times in, uh, in my Bible anyway. And it, um, it's used two other times as helmsman, the word helmsman. And there's this really interesting passage in Acts when Paul's sailing to Rome. And it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And what you've got are two helmsmen. One is operating in the natural with his natural gift and his ability to steer the boat that they're in. And one has a natural, uh, supernatural sight, and he's trying to operate the ship supernaturally by what it is that he's seen. And, um, and you can read Acts and find out what happens, but they, they basically follow the natural order of things um, and don't give credit to the gift on Paul's life. They didn't recognize it and ended up where they ended up. But for me, that is such an interesting little passage there that really speaks of what administration is, the steering, the guiding. And when I think about Paul, who's talking about the administration of the gift and the way that it's steered through whatever's coming and being guided, it, it really 
talks about putting legs to what's moving. I mean, there's this, uh, in actual fact, there's heaps of actual examples in the Bible of people administrating things. And uh, one of the greatest ones, and we've actually covered this before, is Stephen. Um, they had to administer the daily food, and certain people were, were missing out and so forth. So they said, choose seven men to do it. Now, were they seven men of uh, ability? Let's have a look at this. It says they... Um, uh, where is it? Good reputation. Yeah, a good reputation. Oh, where is it? Are we ourselves... Oh, yep, chosen to serve. Um, and it says, um, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we may appoint over their business. So that whole thing of... It wasn't just a gift of administration. They were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So it wasn't just enough to be of good character. It had to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to be able to do that, the task that they were given. Where was that right, Chris? That was in uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. And so you can see the, the unity of the life that's within someone, you know, and, and the expression of them operating and functioning in a gift, hey, you know. And I think that's the same we, we see here with, you know, Jethro and Moses. And um, in, in my Bible it says, Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And I think, interesting, eh? He doesn't say select out of the men the most capable, good-looking, talented, you know? He says, I'm looking for men of truth. Yeah. I'm looking for a character that's as great as the calling. You know, I'm, I'm looking for the inside and the outside. Um, and so we see that in Acts. We see that in Exodus. We see that in David, you know, who was a talented musician and psalmist, but he was also a man after God's own heart. <clears throat> and it's when you see, you know, those natural capabilities um, functioning under what the ultimate expression of Christ in someone is, which is his life inside of them, then you have someone who's powerful and equipped and able to, to minister and administer God's you know, work here on the earth. Cool. Any other thoughts on why is administration considered a spiritual gift and not just a natural talent, or should we move on? Move on? All right, question number two. Why is the gift of administration so important in the body of Christ? Why was this so valuable for Moses? So be keen to know, like, what, what was it about Jethro's counsel that supported and empowered Moses to be who he needed to be and to do what he needed to do? Iron sharpens iron. It's, it's really interesting. I, um, I know it's a little point that probably has no real bearing on it, but he went into the wilderness. It says Jethro went into the wilderness to find Moses. And we're all on a journey. But uh, it's important that uh, the administrator is also on a journey as well. They're not just coming in as a, uh, to point something out and say, hey, this is what you should do. They're on a journey and walking with Moses. So they're walking in, in oneness there. The other thing, and I think it's um, 
it does something where, you know, when a God-given idea comes to somebody to be able to release and impart. I love Jethro's attitude. And you find it in, um, got it there, but in one of the verses there it says, um, he basically says, well, let, you know, if it seems good to you, yeah, and if, God if, it's, yeah, if God commands, he, he leaves it with Moses. He doesn't say, hey, this is it. This is the only solution that you've got to make it go. He actually gives it, he brings it, and he allows Moses to, to dwell on it and to pray it through, to see what God says about it. And that's the thing is we should all have that. And whether, you know, sometimes we have ideas and things like that that are not always accepted. It can be the wrong timing. It can be flesh. It can be spirit. And you've got to have the spiritual oversight for the people above to be able to spend time working that through, to be able to know what is really of him, what's not. And do we have the grace and the understanding to say, actually, I let it go. I've I've delivered what I felt. Now I let it go. And with God's grace, you know, hey, if it's not chosen, hey, I'm still part of this family and I'm still walking with them, no matter what. It's totally different. But this one, Moses picked up and he obviously sensed, yes, this is of God, and he was able to run with it. And it made a whole difference to what it was. Uh, That's that's massive, eh? You know, we've got to be able to serve one another for for their sake and not for our sake, you know? And yeah. and when we do that, if it's you know if we're serving someone and um, you know it's not done in in the right way, and they say, "Hey, do you mind doing it this way?" You know, I think that that is so often telling. You know, and I know for my for myself and in my job being a policy analyst is that our job is to provide advice, but it's not to make decisions. You know, and and I think for my first. For one of my first projects, I was really passionate about this thing, but I worked so hard and I, I had worked in frontline delivering it. And then all of a sudden I was responsible for providing advice to our minister on how the program should go. And so I you know, spent a, you know, a long time, I worked really hard on it with all sorts of different people from the organisation. I put up the advice that I thought was just perfect. And the minister came back and they and they wanted some changes to it. They weren't comfortable with a couple of things, and it was cool. It was all part of the process. Um, and so we sent back the report, and you know they declined one of the key things that I had that I had proposed. And I was like, "Oh, you've declined it, you know." <laughs> but I'm the expert. Like I'm the expert at this, you know. Like I know the topic, you know. I've provided the advice, and you've said, "No, actually, we're not going to do this." And there was a moment there where I felt like I, I learned a, a real valuable lesson that my job all of a sudden, I, I had to realize, actually my job is to provide advice and their job is to make decisions. Am I okay with running in my lane and playing my role and playing my part without being held responsible for an outcome that I shouldn't be responsible for? So I'm not responsible for being for being an apostle and I'm not responsible for Graham being Greg or Chris or Joe or Chris. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just said why not caught myself out there. But, um, you know, we're, we're all responsible for playing our role, you know? And as soon as we start to, to burden the responsibility of other people, then something's not right, you know? And I feel like this is what we're seeing in in Jethro and in Moses, that the burden had become too much. And the responsibility that Moses was carrying was not just to be for Moses alone, you know? 
just like the, you know, like, um, you know, there's, I think there's rumours that have gone around that, you know, Greg is the, the head of the rock and everything that he says goes and, and that's that because he's the boss. Well, actually, it's, that's just not the way that things work, you know. It's, this, is, this is a family and a community and there's people involved in decision-making and dialoguing and fellowship that then lead to a decision that sometimes him being the, the paid staff member will make. Yeah but they've been in the council of, of many people, you know? And so each person has to play their role well um, in, in this thing, eh? So. That's right, that's why we're a body. Totally. Yeah, and thinking about this story and about God's purpose and community, which is for all of our growth, uh, we've talked about how it wasn't good for Moses and it wasn't good for the people. And it got me thinking about the fact that... So what was basically happening here, like you say, is that Moses has got all the responsibility. And so how's anybody else growing? Yeah. If all they do every time something tricky comes up is go to Moses. Whereas what this order does is it actually provides for growth for everybody. So everybody gets what they need, but it's not just about people getting what they need. It's about people playing their part and giving and it's in that that they grow too yeah one of the things that I um, saw in what it was that Jethro advised was he says um, he says and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do and you see prior to this point the Ten Commandments hadn't been given there was actually no, the people didn't know God's ways because he hadn't actually started to speak them and so for me it almost looks like God gets on board with Jethro's advice now I'm not sure how <laughs> how that sounds but what what I feel like is is that Jethro gave advice according to what was in God's heart that this thing would be played out so Jethro goes you need to give these people the statutes and the laws what it is that they're expected of because can you imagine these people are in the wilderness and they know nothing of what it is that God expects from them so he turns up and says, you know, like, you know, if someone's got a quarrel with his brother, they don't know left from right according to this new way that they're called into. And so he's like, you've got to break it down for them so they've got something to go with. And then these, the Ten Commandments come from that. And the, and the whole, everything else starts to come and gets unfolded from that. So all of a sudden these people have the law in front of them and they've got this tutor which is, putting boundaries in place and guidelines so that they know, have an example of what it is that God's expecting from them. And that, for me, the first, I see that in Jethro's advice. You shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. I love that, eh? You know, um, can you read that again, Circus? And you bit. shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. The way in which they must walk and the, then the work that they will do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's it, always both parts, yeah, eh? yeah. walking and then administering. Yeah. You know, the, um, you know the, the inner world, the inner life, and then the outward administration. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's cool. Cool. All right. Question number three. What is the ultimate purpose of the gift of administration? 
Is it just to do lots of works, or is there a greater goal in mind than that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. To uh, I mean, I would I would say I'll read it so I don't um so I don't say it badly, but I th- I think it's the same as you know the other gifts as well the the gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I mean, I would say that all of these gifts are one in nature in the sense that they're all moving towards the same purpose. Maturity in Christ, Christ-likeness. Um, and I love you know, what I see in, um, in what we've read of Jethro and what we read of Uh, Stephen and the other six is that these people released the apostles or Moses who was the apostle figure that point to be more singular in their pursuit to be freed up for what it was that they do so that they weren't running ragged doing everything because that's not how body works right yeah it's the same thing with uh, what I showed last week or the week before about the clock you know we see the face of the clock mm. and we see just those things and that's all we often see for the body but it's the inner workings the inner parts that you can't see that are really really important and every single little cog has to be functioning for it to be accurate yeah. and, and I think it's the same thing with administration is one of those gifts that causes the body to to keep you know keep moving on task of getting getting something done but again it has to be through the spirit it has to be able to see and understand what god is leading the place to otherwise we will take it try and take it into a different direction and you get these pulls of going this way now it's going that way this way and that way but it has to be of one thing one heart one mind one spirit one body it's just that oneness of heart so that when the it's like uh, i mean often you know the apostle has the download it has the bigger picture sees everything like that but you need people that can break it down into the workable parts as well and through the spirit the teachers break it down to be able to 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 help the people to understand but you've got to also have those people that actually put it into place but it all functions together as one and it's just so powerful and when you look at all the administrators through oh, Daniel's another one Joseph but everything of those administrators have one thing in purpose they were men filled with wisdom the spirit of wisdom and it became effortless when Joseph was looking after the prison the, the guy didn't have to do anything because it just flowed he was able to look after all the prisoners um, beforehand before he was in prison uh, you know when he was looking after the king's uh, head guard or head uh, soldier um, again the guy didn't have to worry about anything because it just flowed when there's the spirit on it flows when he became you know second to the pharaoh really again it flowed Daniel the same thing it's interesting because with Daniel he flowed in it but his it also brings about jealousy 
It's interesting when somebody really walks in the flow of the spirit, there is jealousy, and people try to get rid of them because there's, you know, it it shows them up. Yeah, it shows the lacking of what's in them, and it's the same thing with any gift, really. It's it's our hearts have to be pure before Him so that we're not trying to, you know, oh, they're better than high, you know, because it actually creates hindrance and it creates division rather than oneness. So wherever you look in the in the whole thing, all the administrators, they had that spirit of wisdom and understanding and excellence to be able to bring it about. Just a um just a more um local example of how I've seen that play out and um Everybody that speaks on a Sunday morning or is part of the, the process there probably already knows about this, but I didn't, and I had to go up to speak regarding something one morning, and I got an email from Rochelle, and she's written out this this structure, and it's it was beautifully done, and I just emailed her back, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's like a process that happens behind the scene. There's this well-oiled machine that runs so well. In fact, it runs so well that I didn't know that this even happened. I was like, I just thought it was magic. You know, and she emailed me back, and she's like, "That's what you're supposed to think." And I was like, "That was it was really cool because it happened so well that you don't know that it's structured, that it's happening." And and for me, I was just going, "How am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to get up and do this? Is there going to be a nod from someone up on the stage, or you know, how does it work?" And so here's this this plan which is broken down under the under the the right structure. So Rochelle isn't determining which way the service is going to go, but there is a structure, there's bones to it, and we can go any way because we can move with the spirit, but it was fleshed out in a way that I could go, oh, okay, that's my spot there, that's really nice and easy. And this, this gift worked with the other gifts for this one purpose. There's something beautiful, I think, about like an administrator running well in their lane, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's such a selfless gift. Yeah. I see it almost like a, a wife and a husband, you know, that there's something beautiful about a wife who is prepared to make her husband's dreams and goals and what he's living for more important than her own. You know? mm. And I see the same with the gift of administration where you're administering not your own agenda, but you're administering what it is that's on God's heart and what yeah. it is that's flowed yeah. down to you. Yeah. And you're prepared to serve someone else as opposed to yourself. Yeah, you know? right. And so to me, this is the, the very essence of who Christ was. You know, he was a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve, yeah. you know? And so <clears throat> all of these gifts functioning well are all expressions of Christ that when people see them flowing and operating, like, like you're sharing, Chris, it actually brings glory to who God is, you know? Yeah. It speaks of, of, of his goodness. And, it, it, you know, it's, um, it is, it's the manifold, the multifaceted expression of God that people can look to and see this is a physical example of who God is, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's massive, eh? And I think it's beautiful because it's so selfless, you know? Yeah. You could see someone who has a... And, and I think that this is why it says that the gifts that have that are less visually spectacular are to have greater honor. I'm just yeah. paraphrasing. Um, why? 
because the honour is required because it's an essential part of Christ that can be easily missed to your natural eye. But for those who are spiritually aware, they would like things like, for example, selflessness and meekness and gentleness are not valued by the world. You know? But yet in God's eyes, those are the hidden things that he sees and appreciates and they're the very expression of who he is. You know? And so I think when those I think there needs to be a greater honour, not for the person, but an honour for who God is to be able to recognise and appreciate that his nature that's now being expressed, you know? So I think it's whether it's an administrator, whether it's a wife, so there's a worthy wife, who can find? She's more precious than riches, you know? They're more precious than rubies. It's not, he's not talking about her good looks. He's actually talking about her administration, you know? The fact that she selflessly serves not herself, but but her husband, you know. Um, and it just makes me think about that whole um, side of thing, that is a theme that is coming through again and again, Sunday after Sunday, is that um, nothing is built in isolation. Yeah. Um, and so you can't do it alone. And with Moses and Jethro, he, Jethro was gently prodding and saying, hey, buddy, you're trying to do this on your own, yeah. but actually here's another way, here's a different strategy. How about you try this for him to consider yeah. a different way? Um, and it just reminds me of um, when the Lord gave me a, um, a picture um, of um, uh, doing the Asian cooking night. Do you remember Sina? Yes. And so it was during, um, I vividly remember it because I was like, okay, concentrate on what James is saying. And I was like, oh, I've just got to get my pad out and start writing this idea. And um, anyway, I, I, I fleshed it out in, in, my, in my notebook and I gave it to Greg and I said, oh, I don't know if this is going to be something that could happen, but I just really feel like a stirring of, you know, this Asian cooking night and getting people, women together and just this feast of food and fellowship and just fun times. And, um, but that was just an idea. I couldn't have done it by myself. Yeah. And then having Rochelle's gift and yeah. Sina's gift um, to, to bring it together, it was, it was awesome, wasn't it? Because it came to this point of Rochelle's like what about this idea what about how we could yeah, do that but yeah. Sina's like have you thought about that I, have you thought about that I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've just got the idea but it, it yeah. was it was the collaboration of everybody and not working in isolation to enable it to happen yeah and there's heaps of examples of um people in the in the body of Christ historically that have run alone and you can see where it's gone I mean one that comes to mind for me is um, Evan Roberts who was the Welsh the Welsh revivalist and he was a man that was used to bring a massive revival in Wales and I was like 1914 or 1915 or something like that and yet he didn't have an administration gift at all and he he they were having these massive outpourings of the spirit but they got tripped up and there was no longevity to it because it couldn't be walked out for long term he basically did what Moses did and didn't have a Jethro turn up and so what happened was it fell over because he was neglecting things like sleep eating right you know just the basic stuff because he was so committed to it so it's really sad but you know an example for all of us how interdependent we are and how much we need one another and it's, it, it's really an example of if one member suffers, we all suffer. And I love what you're saying, Danny, about, you know, like an idea that there needs to have legs attached to it, eh, you know? That's, 
That's right. That's right. You know, I know at my at my old office, it was funny. We had this like sixty something, like must be between like late sixties. She was the administrator who had been within the ministry for about like fifty five years or something, <laughs> something crazy like that. And anything that needed to be done was always done through her. You know, <laughs> to the extent that I was like, "What on earth do our managers do all day?" <laughs> we had four managers and one administrator, and I'm like. The managers do nothing, you know. Like this lady runs the ship, you know. Like why? Because she, because she took ideas and she actually made them happen in reality, you know. And I think, like the gospel, like we're talking about, needs to be administered in reality. You know, God is looking not for a great preacher up the front. He's looking for a, um, a an entire body of Christ that express Christ on the earth. You know. So His mystery needs to. To, to be administered, you know, and so that's what ad- administrators do, hey, yeah. like both spiritually and practically, you know, they take something from an idea and they and they make it real, you know. So it, it involves everybody really, doesn't it? You've got the, you know, the, when somebody g- gives an idea like Danny's got and somebody's got to help them flesh it out, but then you also need a team of people working it through with them and, and fulfilling each part of it, you know. So it takes a whole team, a whole body to be able to, to bring everything together. And, and that's so why it's so important that we're all involved, you know, uh, about doing what God is building and bringing, you know. So it's, it's amazing when you get one body doing God's work. And, and Nehemiah is one of those ones there, uh, you know, how they all built together family by family. And they built a wall around Jerusalem in record time. Yeah. It was just impossible that man did that. Mm. But God did it because he was, he was outworking it. I guess, too, when you think about administrators, Jesus was the ultimate. I mean, he was, he was the apostle, he was the prophet, he was, but he was also an administrator as well. You know, yes. you know uh, he's heading on towards Jerusalem, you know, towards the Passover. And, uh, you know, they've got to get a room, they've got to get uh, the meal sorted out, they've got to get all that sort of thing, like that. And I bet the apostles were thinking, what are we going to do? There's no room to stay, the roads are crowded, everything's, you know, just crazy around that time, and where are we going to stay? <laughs> uh, with the ease and just the, the authority that Jesus had, he said, you know, I want you to go in there into Jerusalem, there's a donkey tie, tied up here, and this is what you're going to say, and this is the person here that uh, we're going to stay with, you just got to tell him, he's got the room all prepared, the food's all ready. Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> And we, I bet Rochelle would think, oh, I wish it was that easy. That's <laughs> 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 because yeah, there's this Audi waiting outside the rock, which takes him to his private jet, which then takes him to Cambodia. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, we've got a last question, which we're going to nail in five minutes, because I'm pretty keen for us to, to move into table discussion tonight. <coughs> All right, question number four. What can we learn about the gift of administration from Jethro and Moses? We've kind of already covered this, eh? Hey? Is there any, any last thoughts, guys? Any, any burning things that you've written, written down, even if they're not on topic to that, that you want to share in light of the gift of administration? All right, I think we're good. Cool. So um, table discussion tonight, which will be cool. Uh, 